This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. It's time for football. Just for kicks on BFM 89.9. Hello and welcome to Just for Kicks. And uh, we got a packed show this week. We've got the FA Cup quarterfinals. We have internationals and we have the English Premier League. Looking forward to the internationals, of course. I do. So our two uh, pundits this week are Azran Rosin. Hi, everyone. And Sean Malhotra. Hi, hi. Hope everyone's had a great international... I mean, a great week, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Forgive the mistakes because we're in the studio. Yeah. And it's all new and exciting. So uh, I want to start with the FA Cup quarterfinals. We had, I think, some pretty good matches, actually. And a lot of non-Premier League teams have turned up. A few of them have now gone home. But I want to start, Sean, with you, with Manchester United 3, Fulham 1. So, uh, I, I, first of all, I'll set the scene. <clears throat> uh, there were three red cards for Fulham. Yeah. I only saw two, but apparently there were three. Yeah, one was for uh, Marco Silva, Fulham's coach. And then you had the rightful red card to, to William. I think, you know, when it first happened, Jane Sancho gets past, gets a perfect pass from Anthony, gets through, and I'm thinking, take it on the first time. Doesn't take it on the first time. Doesn't take it on the second time. Gets through and then he has an open goal, gets cleared off the line and I lose it at home. I, I go absolutely mental. And then they, sh- they show a replay and you can clearly see William pushing his arm into the ball to get it off the line. Mm. right? And I'm thinking, that's not only a penalty, but that's also a definite red card because it's denying a clear goal-scoring opportunity. And I'm like, okay. Knowing United, they probably won't get a VAR call for it, so we just move on. Because United were not playing well in that game. Fulham dominated up to that point. Fulham were playing good football. United look lethargic, look out of ideas. And then you see the referee walk towards the monitor and then I start thinking to myself, just a week ago, United went through this, Casemiro got sent off. Maybe, you know, there's hope that we'll, United will get a penalty. Uh, yeah, and you were incensed about the Casemiro uh, incident. Uh, no, I was incensed about the fact that United didn't get any penalties last week. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, everything went their way this time. Mitrovic... Uh, managed to get himself a red card. I haven't seen him get a red card for far too long. So it was like just old, just like old times, Azran. It was good to see. Yeah, it's business as usual for Mitrovic. <laughs> he scored a goal. Uh, he uh, played yeah, well. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah. as what Sean mentioned, Fulham were not lucky to uh, lead at that point of time. I think they deserved their lead. In fact, De Gea, up until that point of time, was probably the man of the match. No, without a doubt. Yeah, saving a couple of, I mean, typically De Gea as saved. But yeah, Mitrovic had to do what Mitrovic has to do, which is scoring goals and uh, getting up referees' faces. And <laughs> I mean, I, nobody should legislate this sort of behaviour, you know, pushing, barging a referee that, that deserves... That's just crazy. That's, crazy. That's just crazy. But Sean, I, I want to ask you, uh, Jaden Sancho got a run out. Mm-hmm. How, how, is he, how is he turning out in uh, Manchester United? I think... He's had a really tough start this season. I think the the hangover from the Euros is still lingering with him, but I don't want to use that as an excuse for Jaden. He got put away on like individual training by Eric Ten Hag for a long period of time. In the Netherlands? Yeah, yeah. and I, I mean, as a United fan, our best memory of him, sorry Asran, is him scoring against Liverpool at Old Trafford. But that's a long time ago. That's the only thing he did yeah, so far. Yeah, that's the only thing he's done. And then 
the first half for Jaden was tough. This against Fulham was really tough. Didn't see him making any movements, any runs. In the second half, we saw a completely different Jaden Sancho. Not only did he inadvertently get three people sent off for his, you know, first action in the second half, but he also helped create the second goal. So I think, you know, the, Rio Ferdinand or Gary Neville was saying recently that Jaden Sancho requires a really good, you know, fullback behind him for him to succeed. I disagree. There's a really great player there. We're just not seeing it often enough. If last night was anything to go by, it's a great sign of what's to come for Jaden. You sure? It's not going to be a Deli Ali. Yeah. Do you think it's still going to be in at the club next season? Oh, definitely. You know, hundred million pounds signed. You're not going to get rid of someone that Eric Ten Hag believes in. Eric Ten Hag sent him out. You know, on this long journey of self-discovery, as I like to call it, comes back. Looked good for that short period of time, and he's been operating in a different position. You know, he's not outright on the right side he's not on the left he plays as a 10 so I think there's hope yeah I know I mean every club Sean I, I mean in the studio now, I could actually hold your hand here <laughs> Sean every club has had that player that didn't quite oh, work no. out right <laughs> so anyway I'm sure he'll be great I hope he is because he, he has great potential let's move on to Azran Manchester City 6 Burnley nil. I I really thought this was going to be a competition but Manchester City are really quite good, aren't they? I think it was their on day. I think uh, you mentioned it just now, Cam. Uh, what we liked about the FA Cup weekend over well over the weekend was the fact that we saw three out of the top four championship teams playing. And Burnley leading the championship by that much, we thought, was going to give a bit of a fight to Manchester City. Unfortunately, man, this Manchester City team, and in particular Erling Haaland, has been in an amazing run of form. I mean, they absolutely annihilated... Leipzig over the week, uh, midweek, and then they did it again against Burnley. What and who can stop Haaland? Really, this man is on fire. He, you, you see his goals. I mean, for the first goal, he just finished it in, in front of the goalkeeper, tapped it in front of the goalkeeper. But I like the fact that for the third goal, for his hat-trick, he actually waited. He didn't go for the cross. It was Phil Foden who had a shot, hit the bar, and he had the time and space, I would say. I mean, you know, we, we talk about Thomas Müller being a person who knows how to manage space. Uh, I think Haaland knows that as well. He knows where to be at the right place, at the right time. He actually, it appears as if he was waiting for the rebound and he finished it with a plum. So if you don't substitute Haaland, probably he'll score like six, seven goals every week. Well, I mean, he's on 42 now, isn't it? Yeah, 42 for the season thus far. That's incredible. Uh, But I mean, I'm just wondering, he's with the Norway team that's going to be playing Spain. I wonder if he'll score goals in that because... Uh, Sean, De Bruyne is is Haaland only as good as De Bruyne can be supplying him? I don't think so. I mean, we've seen him perform, you know, at Dortmund. We've seen him perform previously at Salzburg as well. So it's it's no surprise. You just get one creative player to get the ball to him in that twelve yard area. He's going to score you goals. And the best part is that Norway he has Martin Odegaard right behind him. Mm. Yeah, so he's still guaranteed goals. <laughs> so. Uh, Somebody say a name about Man- from Manchester City that's not Erling Haaland. Alvarez. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Alvarez, if he was playing for any other team, he'll probably score more goals. The fact that he's got Haaland in front of him, unfortunately, allows him to score only one or two per game. That's about it. But, I mean, you saw how he finished uh, the, what was it, the fifth goal? I, I lost count. <laughs> it was very I mean, good. The pass from Kevin De Bruyne was yeah. an exquisite pass, but how... Alvarez did, I mean, the calmness to drag the ball back, finish it. Oh, man, that's another talent right there. So Manchester City, they've got 
a decent team, you might say. Obviously, they're focused to win the Champions League. And I'm going to give you uh, the hard one now, Sean. Mm. One minute. Burnley. Burnley are f- f- far away leaders in the Championship. They're going to be up next season. Yeah. And playing like this, are they going to st- stand a chance? No one gave them a chance against uh, against City, especially away. I did. <laughs> they did well in the first half. I think it's just a culmination of defensive errors, which I, I know Vincent Company will look at and try to fix. But, you know, Away to City, it's a one-off. He's probably trying to appease his future employers as well, probably. <laughs> Maybe. Oh, okay. Maybe. You heard it here first. Um, okay, we're going to uh, move on. And in a moment, we're going to come back and we're going to look at uh, the English Premier League here on Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9. More football when we come back. Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9. Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9. We're back on Just For Kicks with me and Asran and Sean. And now we're going to the English Premier League. Uh, Asran, Arsenal 4, Crystal Palace 1. We were blindsided here on Just For Kicks by the sacking of Patrick Vieira, which actually came as a surprise to me. But, But then it shouldn't have been a surprise because it's been a terrible run of form for Crystal Palace. Now is the right time. A lot of clubs fail to choose just before an international break, is the right time to sack a manager? <laughs> That's a funny question. Um, prob- I, I, I don't know whether there's any right time to sack a manager, especially in but, the middle but, of the season. But, but, but should Vera have gone? Was it the right thing to do? It probably is. Because he was... I mean, Crystal Palace was having a real wretched... As you put it, real wretched run of form, plus playing his... Arsenal, you know Arsenal is the club of his heart. Uh, so they thought, look, he's probably not going to get any results. So prob- better galvanise the players by putting in an unknown manager, giving them every single hope that they can get. Uh, in fact, to be fair to Crystal Palace, uh, the first 20 minutes they did decent, I would say. Uh, I mean, we, we saw the chance from uh, Wilfred Zaha that hit the post mm. and could have gone back into the goal of uh, a part of uh, Ramsdale's body but somehow he managed to contrive it outside the box outside of the uh, outside of the uh, line um, but after that it was business as usual for Arsenal uh, again Bukayo Saka how amazing is that play he's direct he can score goals he can create goals uh I, th- he, I think it's unfortunate that he's not the captain of the club because even captain of the club, Martin Odegaard, is very, very young. Uh, they had issues with leadership before, uh, with Shaka being the Mitrovic of Arsenal. Uh, but now I think even Shaka has sort of manned up. Uh, they, they appear to be a, such a solid team that is, I would say, uh, the shoe-in for me personally. I have, I've said it before. I think they're going, going to win the league and yesterday's game just showed that. Yeah. Four goals... <laughs> Amazing performance. Uh, they're on a run. Sean, before you you praise Arsenal, I'm sure you'd love to do that. Um, uh, Vieira, you were shaking your head when, when we were talking about sacking him. I was thinking about it, right? The run of fixtures that they've had, they've not been easy. To, to, to get points out of these games, it's tough. And the thing is, it's not like they're playing horrid football. They just haven't had the, the rump of the green, right? And the thing is, I looked at the stat. Now, we all say that, you know, stats, they don't tell the whole story, but... This time last season, they were at the same exact points in roughly really? the same kind of position. I don't think it's fair to sack a man who's ch- pretty much changed the entire landscape of how Crystal Palace play. If you want to go back to fossil football, Roy Hodgson is you know laying around waiting for that to happen again. But Patrick Vieira brought in young players. They were playing better football. You had players who believed in him. I don't think it was the right move because you're not going to 
find a manager who you're going to bring in who's going to be able to make them play that same way. You know, there's talk about Frank Lampard. I'm like, yeah, because he's done great the last two places or three places he's <laughs> been, right? That's a great person to bring in. So I'm totally against the second Patrick Vieira. You've men- mentioned it as well. The fact that they are at the same points as last season. I mean, they were struggling last season. They're struggling this season as well, perhaps. No, they weren't struggling. I mean, they were playing really good football. They just weren't... Don't get the get, results. Yeah, yeah they, they don't, don't get, get the results. results. And they were never in trouble, though. Yeah, yeah. They're playing all the people in the, the top half of the table. They're not going to get relegated, nor are they going to get European football. So what does the, you know, the Palace owners expect mm. from Patrick Vieira? Do you want him to get European football? Yeah. If that's the case... 200 million there you go everybody <laughs> wants to be Barcelona these exactly days. yeah yeah. especially when you wear the same kits uh, well, right? well Sean very quickly um, uh, Saka he's very good he's phenomenal he's absolutely unbelievable I to take away the fact that I'm a United fan and everything but if I look at that Arsenal team there's, a, there's a, so many players that you can come out to like you know Martinelli Saka Odegaard that's just to name a few Saka is unbelievable He's my shoe in for player of the season. If you don't just look at goals, you know he's done everything you could want from a player, and he's still so young. Yeah, what I what I think I learned from this was I didn't realize just how quick his feet are. <laughs> he 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 can work the ball in really tight areas incredibly fast. So, but anyway, we must move on to uh, Azran Chelsea to Everton to and Sean Dyche. Did his Sean Dyche thing <laughs> Exactly And I think either Sean Dyche Did his Sean Dyche thing Or Graham Potter Did his Graham Potter thing yes. <laughs> He sort of guessed They were going to struggle In the league But they're going to go All out in the Champions League And again I don't see that happening now uh, They've got a tough Tough draw uh, But yeah Everton I think Were deserving of their point uh, What more Scored at the very last minute By one of their own Ellis Sims I think mm-hmm. Coming off their Their, their Youth 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 teams Isn't mm-hmm. it So Chelsea They didn't do enough If you look at the overall Scheme of things This true They scored a couple of goals But I think they laboured. Even those two goals were sort of wasn't really free flowing. If you ask me, it was very laboured. It didn't. I think they they had they had their number one priority checked off the list by qualifying to the uh, quarterfinals of the Champions League, and then this was another game that sort of you know running a routine run, I would say. Which means I I bet Chelsea's going to win the Champions League. It's just going to happen, <laughs> isn't it? Hey, um, Sean. I, I, your knowledge of football is far greater than mine, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pose my theory, right? What's mm-hmm. wrong with Chelsea? Right. And people keep saying, oh, but they get into good positions. And I think that's the problem. Because I was, when I was watching this, I think they're so slow. It's all, the build-up is so slow. And it's like the priority is being put on the players being in the right position, mm-hmm. as opposed to the speed and the just overwhelming the opposition that, that Arsenal do, that Manchester City do. I think it's a... You know, I, I've been saying this every time I've been on the show that I will not criticize Graham Potter because I believe this is a process. He started off slow at Brighton as well, but of course now you being at Chelsea, you know, everyone's eyes are going to be on you, right? And the thing is, you can see elements of what he's trying to do there. It's just that it's not sustained for long enough. And the biggest problem for me was it wasn't that Chelsea were playing horribly against Everton. Yeah, they're slow and everything, but they were getting into good positions that like you mentioned, Cam. The thing that I have a major gripe about is you were only a goal up. Only by one. Anything can happen. Why do you take off João Felix? Why do you take off Mateo Kovacic? Why do you bring on youth and you're not really going to go out to kill the game? Right? You look at Arsenal, kill the game. You look at United, kill the game. City will kill the game. Liverpool will try to kill the game. <laughs> but 
Chelsea don't try to do that. They're not ruthless. And you can see that in their manager as well. And that's the, the questions that keep coming up for me. Where's the ruthlessness in this Chelsea team? Okay. So, uh, finally, Azran, Everton. It's a, it's a good result. It's a point. I mean, yeah. that's, I mean, that's a point. A point at the end of the season might deem safety for them. Yeah. Would it, though? I mean, they're in 15th now, but the points are so close down there. It is. So, it is. will they survive? I think so. I think they've got a manager who knows how to grind out results such as yesterday. They will, go, they will get point after point after point. I think for them, it's important not to lose, to build that you know, mentality of not losing. Mm. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's a very good point for Everton, especially away at Stamford Bridge. I see Everton, I mean, with Frank Lampard, I saw them directly going down uh, with Sean Dyche. I think he, they're going to stay up. Yeah, I like Sean Dyche. Yeah. And uh, so, Sean, Nottingham Forest won. Newcastle United too. Our Bob Holmes would not be so happy, of course. <laughs> but some great goals there. And I thought Forrest came pretty close. I mean, Forrest playing at the home stadium, you know, stadium of light, they play a lot better. They play a lot more attractive football. Newcastle are a funny bunch. Before this, they couldn't score goals. Then they score in this fashion. I think my highlight for the game is still... Kieran Trippier getting in the goalkeeper's head, being like, I'm going to take the penalty. I'm, I'm going to be the one to score this. And Alexander Isaac just comes along. It's like, oh, no, no, fine. I got this. I'll score. Don't worry about it. And I think this is what Newcastle have been needing is goals. And the fact that they're going to a ground that's very difficult to, to score against, you know, Forrest. They went there. They got the job done. It wasn't pretty, but they got the job done. It's a huge three points for Newcastle. Forrest are going to be looking at it and going, oh, boy. You know, it's not looking great down here, but I still think they have enough to yeah. beat the drop. Well, they're 16th mm-hmm. on 27 points. <laughs> I mean, no, I'm reading the wrong numbers. They're, they're uh, 16th on 26 points, but then the bottom place team, Southampton, is 23 points. So it's all yeah. so close. Mm-hmm. And uh, therefore, uh, I was going to ask you about Newcastle United. Well, well, before the match started, actually, I was going, oh, Newcastle United, I'm going to watch this. It's going to be boring. Because uh, I haven't actually been that excited. But it, they were very exciting. They are. And uh, again, initially at the start of the game, they thought losing Miguel Almiron to injury was going to be tough for them. Because as uh, Sean mentioned, one of the problems recently of Newcastle is that they're starting con- to concede and the goals are not coming as much as it was when they were riding high early in the season. But now I think Alexander Isaac has come just right nicely mm. into form. He scored last week, scored another a brace this weekend. Mm-hmm. I, I liked his first goal, the way that he controlled it because the ball actually went over him and yet he controlled he just put his really gangly long gangly feet just tapping it out there and steering the ball towards the edge of the uh, goal and again it's very very important for Newcastle to continue winning because we know as soon as they get that Champions League spot uh, he's going to get a checkbook that's blank and Mbappe, here we come. Saint George, Saint George. <laughs> you heard it here first, guys. <laughs> I've been saying it for months. No, sorry. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right, very quickly then, Sean. Uh, Newcastle United, they are now in fifth. They've got two games in hand over Tottenham Hotspur, who we'll get to later. <laughs> I can't say that name without laughing. And um, are they, they going to get fourth? I think they have a great chance of doing so. Spurs are doing a Spurs which we'll go into later and you know Liverpool you never know but I have hope for Newcastle getting that fourth spot right okay we're going to take a break when we come back we will continue with the EPL here on Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9 more football when we come back Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9 Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9 and we're back 
uh, with myself and Sean and Azran and now uh, fans of Tottenham Hotspur, you might want to you might want to switch off for a bit. We shouldn't say that. We always want you to be listening, but I'm sorry. Southampton three, Tottenham Hotspur three, and at the end of that, I just what just happened? They had a three-one lead against Southampton, bottom place Southampton. Now I don't know what's m- more important to talk about: the match or the uh, Conte's press conference. Uh, Azran, uh, what's more important? Uh, of course, Conte's press conference. <laughs> we remember him doing this exactly At two Chelsea. seasons ago. Mm-hmm. At Chelsea, it was uh, Chelsea against Burnley. I think after he, they lost, he did Burnley. it at Inter as well. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. it's not new. So again, the thing with Conte is you never know whether is it genuine or not. Is he really disgruntled or is it just the guys? Tell us what he said. What he said. Because he's saying, look, you've got, you know, he can do as much, but he's got 11 players that's selfish, that's individualistic. If they keep on playing the same way, they'll never win anything. That's why they haven't won. I think he went a bit... He went 20 years. <laughs> went 20, went years, 20 years. He actually went through every single Tottenham Hotspur's, uh, you know, worst nightmares and, and, and misery. Uh, yeah, but the thing with this time around, I'm not really, I was looking at, I've, I've watched that clip a couple of times. I'm not so sure whether, is he actually genuine or is it just a guise or aroused to, you know, get the team galvanised again? Because the team really needs galvanised. Yeah, well, if, if you come for the last option, this is the last option, this is yeah. going nuclear, but it is also, please sack me now. The thing is, we know his contract is ending at the end of the season. He's going to walk anyway. I think it's more, perhaps, you know, on that hindsight, probably it's just to galvanise the team because the team, man, how awful were they? Well, Sean, tell us, how awful were they? See, the thing is, when you you have a 3-1 lead and you look pretty comfortable Mm. at that point, you normally shut up shop, you know, go defensive, play it easy, don't do anything dumb at the back. Spurs being Spurs capitulate their own way by making their own mistakes. You can say, yeah, Southampton didn't great to come back and everything. You know, Walcott got them a goal. Ainsley Maitland-Niles got them a, a penalty at the end, which I don't really that's think a was a penalty. penalty. <laughs> I don't think it was a penalty. But, you know, for a team that's bottom of the table, you need to ride your luck and have moments like this because it could play a huge, huge they come, come at the end of the season. It's Spurs being Spurs. I mean, everyone has said it and it's become a, a, a cliche, but it's it's a fact. You don't close out a game like this. That's so important. You know that Liverpool are not playing at the weekend. You know that Newcastle have picked up three points just the day before you. Chelsea, if you want to talk about them, maybe trying to fight for top four, drop points as well. You don't deliver when you needed it most. And I can see where Conte is coming from. Maybe he shouldn't have said it the way he said it, but... So well, well, teams don't drop points like this. Okay, but all right. So it's just um, it's just um, uh, their morale. I mean, or are there technical issues? I mean, the way that they play, the players they have. Son, for instance, is clearly not on top form. So what is it? Personnel or just morale, or is it, or is it just something in the water in North London? <laughs> Uh, probably a combination of everything. Again, I, you know, they rely a lot on the Son Kane combo, and that hasn't worked. And they've tried various different combos, unfortunately, and that hasn't worked as well. So it's just okay. Maybe I should rephrase that. It works one week, it doesn't work the next. It's not a consistent. I, I think sort of, if you want to be more specific, is it doesn't matter when it counts most. Look at how they played against Milan. Look at how they played against Sheffield in the FA Cup. Things that matter, yeah. they don't deliver. When it doesn't really matter, they'll probably score four or five goals. True. Hey, that's Spurs. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah, the thing. The that, cliche is a fact. <laughs> You're insulting. The cliche is a fact. Dozens of middle-aged men out there. <laughs> uh, okay, so Spurs then, uh, I mean, are they going to... 
they, they can't keep that fourth spot. I don't even know how they got in the first place. I think I've mentioned this before. As a Liverpool fan, we really look at Newcastle more than Spurs because Spurs, unfortunately, Liverpool this year, we're doing a bit of a Spurs. Uh, hopefully, that we'll get that out of the system soon. Uh, but Spurs being Spurs, they, we've, we've known how Spurs do at the tail end of the season and this is typical Spurs so for me it's Newcastle at this point of time that has that fourth spot to lose uh, obviously Liverpool is going to do every single thing they can to get that fourth spot away oh bless him bless him the Liverpool fan <laughs> let's just please let's just move on Brighton have a, a game in hand over Liverpool and they're on the same points but so, Brighton will be happy with the Europa League spot as well oh okay uh, All right. <laughs> <laughs> you tell them that <laughs> and uh, Sean I I think, like we said, the cliche, right? Spurs will do a Spurs. Conte is going to flip. Conte is not going to care. It's between Liverpool and Newcastle and an outside chance of Brighton maybe sneaking in there. Of course, I would love to see Brighton get into the top four ahead of Newcastle and Liverpool for separate reasons. Uh-huh. Separate reasons. But, you know, I think the realistic one at the moment in time will be Newcastle. Yeah. Yep. Just to remind you that Brighton thumped Grimsby Town of League Two. Uh, but it's been an amazing it. season for them. Yeah. You know, Semi finals of the FA Cup. Yeah. yeah. Fighting for fourth. Well, what yeah. a season. Aswan, they should just be happy with that. They should be happy with that. <laughs> <laughs> Stay seventh and be happy. <laughs> what more do they want? They're just being selfish. Okay. We move on, though, to uh, the next match, which uh, uh, it says he fumbling with the screen. This is all live, folks. Um, oh, Wolves 2. Leeds four great match. Well, it's Leeds. I mean, they're always great matches, yeah. and usually they then lose. But they won this one. I think it's huge for them. You can see a mentality shift, and then the way they play is a lot more intense. It reminds me of Bielsa's style, but not as chaotic. I don't know how to word it properly, but there's a bit of more. Uh, there's a there's a it's formation a- to them now. It's not just let's just go all out attack Some and not care about control. Yeah, the level of control. I think. All their goals were, were top-notch. And I have to give a huge shout-out to... Not shout-out, but a huge... I have this liking towards this player called Nyonto, who plays for them on wing, mm-hmm. the Italian winger. He's so good. I don't think Leeds will be able to keep him through the summer because big teams will be coming in for this kid. He's so good. Kid, and kid is how, how old a kid? He's like you? 19. Yeah. Right. 19. And he's so, so good. And the thing is, that, that creation for the first goal is exactly how... They've been playing under Jesse Marsh before this. It's just that there was no finishing product. Now you're starting to see that finishing product. Leeds could have scored much more than the four they scored. Much, much more. And I think these kind of games that they're picking up points in going to help them big time come the end of the season. You asked me about a month ago or two months ago, I'd say Leeds were going down. Hmm. But seeing how they've been playing recently, picking up important points against the likes of those around them, you know, most importantly, is really going to help them. I don't think they'll go down with this kind of form currently? Uh, yeah, well, they're in 14th now yeah. and uh, Wolverhampton Wanderers, one, point, uh, one place ahead. So, uh, well, I got written down here and now so many things happen that I can't remember what it means. Hmm. Strange penalty. Uh, I thought, when I was watching it, I was thinking, I was thinking the penalty was going to the other side. I didn't understand what was going on there. It was, oh, you're, you're, you're scratching your head I'm trying to remember what it was. Which, which incident is this? I, I don't remember. There, there was call. a dangerous kick. but I think uh, it's the one where Nunez got sent off at the end of the game. Uh, maybe. Yeah. 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 I mean, so, it's a dubious call per se, maybe. But, you know, in a weekend, we've seen where players lose their marbles per se. Getting sent off for such a, a dumb thing and such an important player that gets sent off in Matthias Nunez. 
I, I don't want to go in on referees. I don't want to go in on VAR because I'll be doing that every week. If that's yeah, the well, case. and we'll leave that to Des as well. That's that's <laughs> that's his uh, registered trademark. So you, you can't. It's his brand. Um, all right, quick word about Wolves. Anything to say? I mean, they're they're comfortable. I mean, you know, they're not going to go down. Well, they are there. They are fighting there, for relegation. But, but looking at that good. particular performance, Wolves against Leeds, that has whatever the Premier League has to offer. You know, six goals, two red cards, lots of back and forths. Um, I think both of them are too good to go down. I, it would be a shame to see both teams, either of those teams, go down. At this point of time, I think we're going to talk about Bournemouth after this. Bournemouth is my only, at this point of time, it's the only certainty to go down. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, at least. And it pains me how Liverpool lost to Bournemouth a couple of weeks ago. But anyway, <laughs> forget about that. Uh, yeah, I, for me, Bournemouth is going down. Who's accompanying Bournemouth? That's a big question mark. The pro- why I say Bournemouth will go down is the fact that they concede too many goals. All right. Well, we're coming on to them right now then. So, Aston Villa 3, Bournemouth nil. Now, Goglin on the Friday show is an Aston Villa fan, but it is impossible to squeeze any kind of happiness out of him. Mm-hmm. But I think that he's being, um, I don't know what he's being, because just about every year they're in relegation trouble. They are not in any kind of relegation trouble this time round. And their manager is a very good manager. I don't know quite, because for me it's just 22 men running around. I have no idea what's happening. Uh, Sean, can you tell me what is happening at Villa? I think you have to look at, you know, post-Steven Gerrard really closely. They've still been very inconsistent. Yes, Emery has got them playing a lot better than Steven Gerrard had them playing, but inconsistency. You know, they'll win one week, they'll get smashed the next week, they'll win one week and then get smashed the next week again. My main question, and this, if Goglin's listening, is what are your expectations as a fan? Are you looking forward to fighting for relegation? Are you looking forward to fighting for a European position? What is it? Because that team doesn't strike me as a team that's ready to fight for a European team but it's also too good to be a team that's fighting for Sean as I was saying it's a matter of perspective right? be be like Brighton be 7th and stay happy (laughs) (laughs) you're so generous (laughs) Um, because yeah well I think it is important to ask that question I think in the case I don't know about Gogolin but you know Villa fans in in general would be just they they want to win the European Cup like they did in the 80s or, or I don't know what it is but uh, they don't have the money. They don't have the money to be able to be it's more than what they are. And so they should be happy. It's a lot of years of hurt. Yeah. Uh, okay, that's about it. I mean, they were such a big club and they're one of the bigger clubs in in, um, in the Midlands. No? So for them, they thought, again, when they hired, when, when they signed Steven Gerrard as their manager, they thought he could bring them to the next level. Unfortunately, he didn't. Uh, signing Unai Emery, and as you mentioned, they are in no trouble at all. I think they are, they are one of three teams that has probably nothing to fight for at this yeah. point of time. It's just to get points of each and they're still winning. Uh, they've got Ollie Watkins is really on fire. Uh, Leon Bailey playing well. I mean, a lot of things are going for them at this point of time. So for me, if I'm an Aston Villa fan, I'll probably look... St- Consolidate your your season at this point of time and uh, let Unai Emery build whatever he can build for next season. But as you put it, Cam, they don't have the investments coming in. Probably next year is going to be the same for them, really. Yeah, yeah. So, again, very generous of you there. That's right. <laughs> just stay where you are. Be, be happy with crumbs. Uh, okay, Sean. Uh, just so that we're complete, uh, Brentford won, Leicester City won, and Leicester. I mean, it's, it's hard to remember almost that they were the team that won the league a few years back. They are just above the drop zone. Brentford, meanwhile, though, up in eighth. I, 
Uh, they are um, Premier League established now. They are here to stay. Mm-hmm. I think if you look past the likes of you know Pep, Eric Ten Hag, and all all the top managers this season, you have to give a lot of credit to the likes of Roberto De Zerbi and Thomas Frank. They don't divert from the way they want to play. They want to play attractive football, high-pressing football, energetic football, and they have the right players to do it. That that Brentford team doesn't cost more than probably 15 million pounds or 20 million pounds. And they play attractive football, they play good football, and they deserve to be where they are. In fact, they have a very good chance at a European position. They could you know, challenge the likes of Liverpool, they could challenge the likes of Brighton based on current form. The thing that I look at is where they finish this season... Right, whether it's in the top eight, top ten, whatever, next season's expectations are going to be massive, right? And Brentford fans are going to. It's the same with Brighton. When Brighton fans saw how good things were under Graham Potter, it was like, oh, we're playing attractive football. What's next? Well, uh, if they follow Asran's advice, <laughs> <laughs> but Asran, I actually think Leicester's going to go down. You know, at the start of the season, we mentioned that. Uh, if things didn't change, they probably would go down together with Bournemouth. But I think Rogers has steadied the team. He's tried to chop and change the team. Even, in fact, over the weekend, he started with a new goalkeeper. I think he's given Danny Ward every single opportunity to do so. If you read his conference, why he had to drop Danny Ward is because he was saying Danny Ward makes the normal saves, but unfortunately, Danny Ward doesn't make the key critical important saves that makes the difference. So he started with this new goalkeeper who unfortunately fumbled. I would say he fumbled because it was a near post near post shot mm-hmm. uh, to concede the first goal. Uh, but they managed to held on for the point uh, in a week where even Tony gets called up to the England squad, who Did I think we're going to talk about soon. Yes. I didn't know that. Did he? <laughs> he did. He did. But okay. Well, that's a surprise to me. All right. Uh, well, in a moment, I'm going to be surprised again. No doubt. When we come back and we talk internationals here on Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9. More football when we come back. Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9. Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9. And we're back. Part four with me, Sean, Asran. And now, internationals. I like internationals. Okay? We don't have Des Corkill here today <laughs> to, to, to have to argue that point out. And so we've got the qualifiers for the Euros. It feels like just yesterday the World Cup happened. Um, or, or was it a dream? It was a great World Cup. I think that's why <laughs> we still have it in our minds, fresh. Yeah. So we got the top two teams of each group will progress, plus also three Nations League spots are available. That becomes mathematically beyond me at this point. But later on, we'll, do it. we'll work out what that all means. Germany already through as hosts. So I want to jump straight into Group C because we do talk about the English game here a lot. And in Group C, you've got England versus England. In Sorry, England versus England. It's, <laughs> it, it, it seems is. like it. It, it seems is, like it? it by his selection. It's Italy versus England. In the same group, there'll be Ukraine as well. So these will be the three heavyweights. And, I mean, God, nobody wants Ukraine because they're, they're really playing for something. Yeah. <laughs> Especially with their situation. No? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so Italy versus England. And... What's the squad for England, Azran? Man, I mean, Southgate has done another Southgate by selecting Maguire over Tomori. I think for me, that's the biggest surprise because obviously he's dropped Trent Alexander-Arnold. We know that he's not such a big fan of Trent. And with Liverpool's troubles as well as Trent's individual defensive 
issues this season uh, probably rightfully dropped but I mean his selection so far he's selected Maguire who hasn't really played for United he, he, he played in the FA Cup wow. he plays in those sort of matches wow. <laughs> a man who hardly plays football is getting suspended from the FA Cup semi-final that should tell you something exactly <laughs> and then he selected Kelvin Phillips who we haven't seen this season at all yeah uh, so it's I mean why a, haven't we seen him has he been fit, unfit he's been unfit and fit and that's why so I that's think, even more reason I think Pep called him fat <laughs> I really yes, think Pep called him season, fat yeah. Pep did <laughs> so for me Southgate has gone against what he said uh, we we had a chat just now as well uh, we, were, we were saying that look once upon a time it was Southgate that said look he'll choose players based on form unfortunately now he has gone against that and selected his favourites uh, including Maguire Sean what do you think about this Maguire selection because it's really it, over it, me it, Cup it, captain isn't it it doesn't surprise me because not only is he United's captain but if you look at it as a whole, Maguire does deliver for Southgate, right? I'm and he will, play. he will yeah. start, no? Yeah, he? he will start. I'm never going to take that away from Maguire. He does great with England because they play in a back five, right? He has a lot of cover with John Stones, Carl Walker, all those around him got him covered in that and sense. And the game's slower yeah, as well. Yeah, the game's slower, slower so it fits him perfectly. I'm not surprised by Maguire not getting picked. I'm surprised by Tomori not getting picked. This guy has been overlooked again and again and again and again. And the topics always come up in my mind and I recently talked to my friends about it. There are so many players, not just for England, but for from around the world of African descent who don't get the chance to play for the countries they represent and they keep changing their nationalities. We've seen it with Enketia. I think... Ainsley Maitland-Niles has done the same. Wilfred Zaha did it many years ago. He used to represent England, represents uh, Ivory Coast now. I think it's going to be a commonality amongst these these young African boys who end up deciding to, you know what, we're not going to be able to play for England no matter how well we play. Let's just switch our nationality and we'll get a chance there. But but he also plays far away. It's like it's a whole oh, Maybe the fact that they play in Italy. Italy. The thing is, you're still picking Bellingham. So what's your excuse? Right. You're picking Jude Bellingham and he's playing well, yeah. Tomori's playing well too. Sorry, Tomori has played for the the uh, the full t- the first team, has he? Yeah, he's yeah, already he's got, he's he's got declared for England. Caps. And yeah. okay, it's the same thing with Tammy Abram, who's been playing really well with Roma. Not got a shout in. Same thing with I can't believe I'm saying this name after all these years. Chris Smalling is not officially retired from England. But he's having a he's really good season football. in Roma. Yeah, he's, really? He's yeah, in Roma. Yeah. Things are slower in Italy, though. That's the thing. It fits England's style of play. That's why Maguire starts. Okay, <laughs> well, speaking of things being slower in Italy, they're playing Italy. <laughs> <laughs> in in Italy, uh, Italy, of course, failed to get to the World Cup. Shame, shame. After winning the Euros at that. Uh, right, <laughs> against England. Oh, my <laughs> God, it's all coming together, isn't it? Um, and... Tell me, uh, the Ita- I'm hearing good things about Italian players. I don't know about the Italian national team, but uh, Azran, uh, any... Uh... Okay, so Italy has had a couple of surprises as well. I think uh, Locatelli, who's been a mainstay in the Italian midfield, has been dropped, hasn't been named, but they've got a variety of other choices. They've got Nicolo Barella, they've got um, uh, Marco Verratti, they've got a number of good players who can shore up that midfield so it's going to be quite an interesting game obviously Italy has got a point to prove after missing on that fantastic World Cup we spoke about uh, missing out on Qatar Um, yeah it's going to be and out of the Champions League eight remaining Champions League teams we've got three Italian teams so that's a sign that the Serie A is coming back Unfortunately, for example, the team that's leading the uh, Serie, A, uh, Serie A, which is Napoli, I think they've been driven by non-Italians. They've got <laughs> Kvaradona, they've got Osimian, Kvaradona, <laughs> and the South Korean uh, central defender, Kim In-jae. Kim exactly. So it's been driven by non-Italians. But having said that, uh, the what's his name again? L- 
Lorenzo Insigne. Insigne. Eh, no, no, not Insigne. No. The the fullback. He played for Italy. I, wish, I wish I could jump in. But Di Lorenzo. Di Lorenzo. Di Lorenzo. Di Lorenzo. Di Lorenzo. The, I, He's playing well. My my. Uh, sorry to segue a bit. My, my yeah. uncle's an Italian. 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 Yeah. Right. And I asked him the question like. What happened? Why why is Italy the way they are they are right now? And his simple answer is: Do you look at how old that team is compared mm-hmm. to every other national team? We have one of the oldest national teams, mm-hmm. right? And I looked at it and I went and counted all the players. The average age is like twenty seven, twenty eight. Which, if you look in hindsight, compared to all the other nations around, that's quite old. You're not really promoting many young But players they, to the team. Do they lack the talent pool? It's it's not that they don't lack the talent. Just I think they just, they just go back to the tried and trust, trust trusted people players. You know, like they went with Chiellini for years, Bonucci for years. I mean, they're still in the team, right? Exactly. And Chiellini's <laughs> turned the team. I I don't think he got chosen, but you know the fact that they went back to those players who were past their mid thirties for years. Mm. To be fair, though, I think that Chiellini looked fifty even when he was fifteen. <laughs> uh, Great pro- jeans. He's probably only 26 <laughs> years old. <laughs> so, yeah. I, so what? What are the? What? How do we rate the chances? Of, I mean, England, I think, have always progressed uh, from qualifiers in the Euros. They always do well in qualifiers, yeah. especially in the Southgate. I think yeah. the last time they didn't make it was 08. Yeah, 08 but Southgate is absolutely superb in qualifying. Yeah, qualifying yeah. So we can't take it as as a given that they will because they are up against Italy. Mm-hmm. So, uh, how do we see this one going? I think with the you know you look at the players that have been performing really well for England in the league at least Bukayo Saka, Marcus Rashford, Harry Kane. Those three alone will strike fear into any defense, mm. and I think just based that off that alone, England have the edge in this, and they'll be coming at this in the sense of we want revenge kind of thing maybe you know I don't know Southgate strikes me as the kind of person that we want revenge after what happened to him many years ago but having said that Italy has also got a point to prove no oh, yeah. the fact yeah. that they uh, they have spent the summer well the winter not being able to perform but also when I was watching Arsenal this weekend I felt like uh, that Saka is not allowed to play for England that's I feel like Saka is 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 forced to play Further down the pitch, I don't, I don't see him so high up in the pitch. It depends, I think, on who starts at right wing back for England. Whether it's Carl Walker, whether it's Reese James, whether Or it's Trippier. Kieran Trippier, it depends on who's starting behind him. Because if you have someone who's more solid at the back or who can do both, which is to me like Carl Walker or Kieran Trippier, Saka can express himself like he did at the World Cup. Mm. He expressed himself perfectly. On the left, you have Marcus Rashford who. Personally, I hope doesn't start, but he will. Yeah, he, will. he will. He will. He will. Because if Southgate doesn't do it, England fans are going to lose it. Exactly. Yeah. Right? Oh Because God. he's going to get what seven defensive-minded players <laughs> on the pitch, and he did it at the World Cup. He did it at the World Cup. Yeah. Anyway, the good thing is it's not going to go to penalties. So uh, <laughs> it's going to be a draw. It's going to be a board draw. <laughs> yeah, it could be. Yeah. All right. I want to. I want to throw this one in. There are so many matches happening, and actually, many of the good ones are happening. After the Friday, the Friday game, so we'll, 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 the the Friday uh, just for kicks. So I want to jump to this one: Portugal versus Liechtenstein. Now, Azran, I'm not going to challenge your knowledge of Liechtenstein football. <laughs> um, I'm going to save that for sure. Oh, Liechtenstein. <laughs> no, it, it's what Cristiano Ronaldo got called up yep. to play. It's his testimonial. It, That's it. It's his testimonial. It, is it against is it? Liechtenstein? He's going to score, right? Who wouldn't score against Liechtenstein? You're going to put Maguire is going to score against Liechtenstein sometimes, right? So uh, I think Martinez is probably giving Ronaldo opportunity to say 
a proper goodbye because okay. at the World Cup he didn't get to say a proper goodbye. That's my thought at least. Do you think so, Sean? I, think I so. disagree. I've always seen Roberto Martinez as a coach with no backbone whatsoever, and would call on anyone who possibly is a big name to deliver for him. You just look at what he did three months ago with the Belgium team, right? Yeah. You had a team that was in turmoil for so many personal reasons, and he was still like, "Nah, I'm gonna call them anyway. They'll they'll do a job." They didn't do a job. I'm not saying Ronaldo shouldn't be in the team. I'm just saying. There are many other players yeah. who But the difference chance. is I think now The Portugal team Has got a lot of choices Up front mm-hmm. They've got the Benfica Ronaldo boys They've got Jota on. back It's because it's an easy game Really yeah. If so, it was Portugal okay. against Italy He probably wouldn't get called out Okay uh, The other question I've got Is, is Martinez mm-hmm. It's like How does he keep t- He fails upwards Every time <laughs> How did he get the job? I mean, I think statistically, if you're looking at the the stats on the Belgian squad that he took over, and then what Belgium actually managed to achieve, I think it's a rank failure. Uh, I I've said this for many years. I think Roberto Martinez is one of the most overrated coaches I have ever seen in football. Not because I don't think you know he's a good coach or whatever, but you've been given great squads. You've been given world-class talent, right? It, he had Belgium for years and his best achievement, he can say, is, oh, we were number one in the FIFA rankings. Yeah. But yeah, how does that point system work? You didn't achieve anything at the Euros twice, I think. You didn't achieve anything at the World Cup, maybe once or twice. And you had a great squad. You have no excuses. You had a great squad, great talent at your disposal. And now that Belgium team will be a forgotten story because they're all over the age of 30. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, Azran, to, to wrap up, Liechtenstein. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, guys. Martinez. Yeah, again, I, I'm with Sean on this one. I think Martinez, unfortunately, he's been given the great opportunity with the golden generation of Belgium, and he has really squandered it. Yeah. Uh, again, uh, this is I don't know why Portugal selected Roberto Martinez. He's got a great agent. Probably, <laughs> well, probably that's the answer. I I will watch his TED talk on how <laughs> to do a great interview <laughs> because he must interview so well when he goes for jobs. You know, dress step one, dress nicely. Um, okay, so uh, that brings us to the end of this week's show, and it's been fun being in the studio. I think, and I would like to thank our, our pundits, Sean Mahotra. It's been great, guys. I like being in the studio. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Asran Rosen. Likewise, it's the first time for me. I think it's it flows better, and I I've enjoyed every moment of it, and I hope you guys have as well. And uh, Asran. Is wearing his Liverpool shirt, just to let you know. <laughs> the only shirt I have. Wherever he goes. Day. So, um, uh, thank you very much out there. Uh, it's Cam Ruslan and uh, Brighton fans, just be happy where you are. Be happy, exactly. It's a matter of perspective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here on Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9. Tune in Mondays and Fridays at 8pm Just for kicks on BFM 89.9 You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9 The Business Station For more stories of the same kind download the BFM app